Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and uh, we're going to finish up Acts chapter 4, hint towards Acts chapter 5, um, and... And so uh, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you before we get started. And just want to, this is your opportunity to help me preach and to, sh- and to shout back at me. So uh, what are you good at? Dude said a lot of stuff. Um, something specific. What are, you, what are you good at? Like if, if, if somebody were called you and say, hey, I know such and such, he's good at, what would they say about you? What are you good at? Cooking, landscaping, what else? Painting. So if you needed some paint, holler at Jennifer. Not paint. If you need something painted, holla at Jennifer. So we're, we're, we're good at stuff. And sometimes when you get good at stuff, you become confident about that stuff. And, and, and um, maybe it's a favorite video game that you plan. Um, uh, a group of us went to Florida and we played this crazy cup, demonic video game. It's a long story. I shouldn't even say it. Now I'm in it. Anyway, the video game was hard for me. Couldn't figure it out. But um, uh, my son, Justin, he plays it a lot. And what happens is over time, you're confident in your ability because you keep rehearsing it or practicing, practicing it. And it becomes like sort of a sort of a uh, uh, it's, it's a good skill that you may have. So some of us are good at not only creating painting or playing um, instrument. But over time, you know, you keep rehearsing your craft, you keep rehearsing it, and you become better and better. And, and now you don't necessarily have the anxiety that you have when you first started because you know that you're good at it. And because you're good at it, you've experienced the variables. So even the variables don't shake you up because you're good at it. And there's a swag or there's a presence that we all have when we, um, when, when we start, you know, doing what's in our wheelhouse. And, and so there's a confidence that we have when we are asked to do something that we're good at. And over time, you can actually do it, Mike, without really thinking about it. You just have an eye for it. Like you could just get it done. And other people rely on you to get it done because not only are you going to get it done, you loyal and you faithful and you're a person of your word. So they know when they give it to you, you're going to get it done. And you won't even have You won't have the excuses that sometimes people have because you understand that your name means something. So you spend time protecting your name because you're good at what you do and people flock to you because you're good at it. So they never doubt that you won't do what you said you were going to do because you always do what you say. And then you're good at what you do. So that's an even added bonus. But how much more concerning the things of God? So if you know you're a man of your word and you try to keep your word, then how much more does God keep his? And this is the backdrop to Acts chapter 4. 
because the disciples have hung out with Jesus for three and a half years, and they they beginning to see that everything that Jesus said he was going to do, he did. And then everything that, that, that he promised was going to happen, happened. So they start building a relationship of trust with Jesus. So when Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, don't do anything till the Holy Spirit comes, just wait. They wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And the very thing that Jesus promised happened. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, if anybody understood and understands what happened when that moment that heaven met your earthly body and your eyes were open and it fell and it's the truth that Jesus was not only around you but in you. And then the disciples now understand that, that, that what Jesus said was happening. And, and one of the most broken um, guys, Peter, who denied and cowered and ran, gets the Holy Spirit, and now he speaks with boldness, and 3,000 people get saved. Something happened to him, bro. He ain't the same. And his behavior now is showing what exactly was happening in him. And man, they high-fiving each other. Think about it. What Jesus said was going to happen, happened. People got saved. And now it's like, man, we celebrating, Aaron. I mean, Andrew, we, we celebrating. Look what God has done. I mean, they going to the temple. They strolling to the temple. And this guy, Acts chapter 3, this guy, is, is legs don't work. And they have never worked. And they going to pray, and they walk past the guy, and the guy's asking for money. And Peter, with the same boldness, we ain't got no money. Well, what we do have, we're going to give to you. Stand up and walk in Jesus' name. And the dude just, it's like, it's like the whiz, like the scarecrow, Michael Jackson, if I'm aging myself. And he's, he's, he's walking. And they bring him to the temple, and people are just rejoicing. Man, what could possibly go wrong? They following Jesus. And everything that Jesus said was going to happen was literally happening right in front of their eyes. What could possibly go wrong? And the man is celebrating, and the man is just going nuts. And... It's like the young folks, I'm in between, so I'm not old, but I'm not young. I'm in between. But the younger than me folks would say, they knew the assignment. Like they, they understood the assignment. And so things are happening because they're obedient to God. And they're not walking in their own strength. They are confident in what God said. God has proven himself over and over and over. And now when people get upset with them because miracles, listen, everybody's not happy that you're doing good because they benefited from you doing bad. 
And so when Jesus comes and sweeps through, and now the man is walking. That's not how he was walking, but I thought I'd just be a little demonstrative. It didn't work. It didn't land. Stay focused, Reverend. All right, so the man was walking. People were upset. The religious people were upset. That's a whole whole other sermon for a whole other time, that the people who got upset was the religious people. Because, because people can manage dead religion. They can't control a spirit-fed one. And, and so, so there are times when, when, when the spirit of God is moving, you can't harness it. And you don't benefit from the spirit releasing on all flesh. We benefit from some. You'll catch that in a minute. And so religion has, a, religion has a way of stifling the things of God. And so they knew when Jesus was walking the earth, they couldn't control him. So how dare he leaves his spirit. And now people that they benefit from are now finding independence and freedom in Jesus. And it's disrupting the social order. And then they upset with the disciples. And this is what I've heard recently called tactical patience. I know God told you to go, but wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you because waiting for the Holy Spirit, wait for the Holy Spirit so you can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of this promise is that the Holy Spirit not only gives them power to be a witness, but strengthens them for the work. But in between waiting and the witness is we got to wait. Say wait. We got to walk. We got to work. And we got to witness. Waiting is preparation. Nothing wrong with waiting. A young couple wants to get married and... They want to get married, and they want to get married right now. Nothing wrong with waiting. Waiting is preparation. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, but wait until the promise has come. Psalms 27 and 14, wait for the Lord. Lamentations 3 and 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Psalms 37 and 7, be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Man, you got zeal, but do you have his spirit? Because if you don't wait for him, then whatever you accomplish comes from your own strength. And when, it, when you are depleted from your own strength, you become weary. And weary is a soul issue. If you're tired, you just simply sleep and rest and you're strengthened. But you ever went to bed tired and woke up worse? It's like, man, I done slept for four days and still tired. Wait. The second thing is walking. Walk. Walking is obedience. Deuteronomy 5 and 33, it says, You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. Walking is obedience. Uh, Discipleship is obeying Jesus. Now, if the Spirit tells you to run, run with the Spirit. Don't run past the Spirit. Walk with 
the Spirit. And just because, for those who are walking with the Spirit, just because you don't see the next step does not mean you're not walking with the Spirit. It's not up to you for you to see. It's up for us to obey. So this ain't what I thought it was, Gary. And what I got to do is keep walking until he tells me something else. For those who are waiting for the Lord to say something new, here's my, um, here's my suggestion, my observation. If you're waiting for God to say something new, do the last thing he told you. Wait and walk. And then we have to work. Work, working is demonstration. And that's under the guidance and the permission of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3 and 17 and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, here's the problem with that statement. Most of us, even in our good intentions and even when we were wrong, thought what we were doing was in Jesus' name. It happens. We see it all the time. The Lord told me to jump off this building. No, he didn't. And what happens is people get enough of the wrong Jesus to reject the true Jesus. And that's how we start building these platforms about partially of what he said. Read your whole Bible to get the whole counsel of God. That was just a freebie. <laughs> John, John 6 and 29. This is the work of God. What's the work of God? That you believe in him whom he has sent. We believe in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the visible representation of an invisible God. Romans 1 and 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about who? About Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. So we, uh, we're going to wait, walk, work. And it, my last point is to witness. Witnessing is submission. Witnessing is pointing people back to Jesus. Let that marinate. Not pointing people back to your pastor. It's pointing people back to Jesus. I'm going to say it one more again for dramatic emphasis. It's pointing people back to Jesus. Newsflash. Just because people have left, uh, I just feel pastoral. Um, just because people have left this church do not mean they ain't with Jesus. Point people back to Jesus. Point people back to Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. That is intentional. Darkness is always adrift. You have to be intentional in shining your light before others so that they may see your good works, watch this, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They are applauding the Father, not your good works. Point people back to Jesus. Because when the miracles happen, you sound 
like God to them. Like, how do we come to get saved? Because how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach unless he be sent? Who sends him? The Father. And so we come and it's like, oh, pastor, oh, my God, when you were preaching, blah, 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 and you will have an affinity for the man and not the God who sent the man. And we see it played out over and over and over. So when the man fails, the whole church blows up. And there has to be, it has to be a reckon, we have to recognize that it's the Lord's doing. This church triple in size, it's the Lord's doing. And if we're going to testify of anything, it's not testifying of the strategies, it's testifying of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's doing. And and so, um, Alistair Begg said it this way, Christianity is not about how to escape from the difficulties of life. It is about how to face the difficulties of life. Christianity is not an escape. So yes, he's going to lead us beside the still waters, but those still waters might be in the valley. And so there are times when life is hard. But here's what I start pondering about the disciples. Do you think the disciples had problems like us? Absolutely. But you never hear it mentioned their problems. What you hear it mentioned is the promise that Jesus made to them and their obedience in spite of their problems. All of us do this and we elevate our challenges without bringing significance to the Lord of them. So you know how it is. How you doing, man? I'm suffering. And I mean, I'm suffering like Job, Job. Abraham, when he was, when he, I'm suffering. It's like, man, it's like, man, but God is good. No, bro, I'm suffering. Well, yeah, you are. And if we passed around the mic, we could be popcorn it. If we popcorn it, I'm going through this. I'm going through this. I'm going through, and it's not, look, we all got problems. And I'm not saying even to miss the problems. What I'm saying is that in spite of those problems, God is good. And sometimes I understand that we all go through this. Sometimes it's not that I am not aware of God's goodness. I need a place that I can share my struggles. So thank you for coming this morning because we're going to see the disciples share their problems. And we're going to show how the people of God responded. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Now, they they got arrested for healing a man in Jesus' name. <laughs> uh, that's crazy, but that's why they got arrested. And, um, and um, the religious folks in um, verse number 23, and we'll read it together, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. After they released, they went to their own people. Stop right there. You see that? So they get harassed by the religious people, and they're threatened. Don't you do no miracles in Jesus' name. Don't you do that. And so they went back to their own people. They didn't tweet it. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they are harassed and threatened and they're released. This is beginning of persecution. Beginning of persecution always starts with words. 
So they're about, they're being threatened. And what they do is they go back to their own people and listen to this. And they reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They didn't exaggerate it. This is what happened. And when they heard, meaning the people, when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God. Stop right there. How many people that we go to that don't raise their voices with us to God, they raise their voices against the people that God may be using to get his will done in your life. Watch this. And said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by mouth of our father David, your servant, why do Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Who? Against who? But I thought it was, they were against us. That's why when the Lord says, let the Lord fight your battles, it's not the battles that you've created. It's the battles that you are being charged with in his name. And so when we say, I know, I know you ain't nothing but the devil, I'm going to let the Lord fight my battle. That ain't the battle that he's talking about. <laughs> For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the gentles, gentles and the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, and to do whatever your hand and your will have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats. And grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. Whoa, wait a minute. Don't take the threats away. Don't take the persecution away. Consider what they said, Lord. Listen to this. It's crazy. I'm not there yet. I'll just be the first to tell you. I'm like, get them. And their children's children. Dog, cat, hamster, gerbil. Get all of them. I need the spirit of God. But this is what they do. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Man, Lord, help us. And when they had prayed, the place that where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And this is, this is, this is where we lose half the church. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Somebody said, Jesus. <laughs> and Joseph, a Levite, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one that apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, so the field he'd owned, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Mm. 
So here's a couple things I want to I want to sort of put out there. Um, so here's a here's a casual thought that I want you to focus on. In order for us to win the world, say this with me. In order for us to win the world, we must enter the world. We have this tendency to want to be separated from the world. Now, we're separated in spirit, but we're still living among people who don't name the name of Jesus. And so when the disciples are praying that the Lord give them boldness, you never hear them say, hey, Lord, stop the persecution. They pray for boldness to carry the work that the Lord has already given and instructed them to do. Because they trusted if they're being persecuted for his namesake, then, and if God is sovereign, that this is according to his will. So it's not their will. It's not our will. Let your will be done. Because they are actually learning from Jesus, and they learn from him, and they witness that he was the example. And instead of saying, hey, remove the suffering, they say, give us the strength to endure it. Let us speak with boldness because the, the, the challenge of the church is to uh, separate us believers from having this worldview, how the world views things to a Christian worldview. And that is where the war is. I know you have a right to stand up for your rights. But a Christian worldview is I am willing to forego my rights for his glory. You see how that contradicts our natural inclination to save ourselves. And so this counterculture is being exhibited. Um, um, Jesus speaks to the disciples. It's recorded for our benefit. So I imagine that Peter knows who he is because he know who he was. And so now it's like, man, I, I was given a second chance after I denied Jesus three times, and he still looks at me affectionately and say, you love me? Feed my sheep. He didn't say, if you love me, get your guns out. So, so this is something that's transforming right before our eyes that Peter was a fighter. And Peter wanted to avenge. I mean, think about it. They laid hands on Jesus, and, and Peter was like, schwap. Cut the dude ear off. And Jesus looking at Peter, bro, what? come on, man, seriously? No, that's not what we're doing. And, and, and Peter is now responding like, hey, well, hey, this is what happened to us. Man, it was crazy. Jesus, everything that Jesus said happened. I mean, the guy was walking and me and John looked at each other. It was like, man, we broke. We ain't got no money. We're in ministry. We're full-time vocation ministry. So we ain't got no money. So we go to the temple and the guy's out there. And then we just tell him, walk. And he walks. And the people are rejoicing. We go to the temple. And guess what we get to do? We get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then people hear us. And then the people come and they arrest us. Man, we had to spend night in jail. It was crazy. And then they let us go, threaten us. And then we went and we're talking to you guys and look at what's happening. And everybody's like, man, that's crazy. What are we going to pray for? We're going to pray for more boldness because we want it to happen again. Are you kidding me? I'm one and done. I'm going to go underground. I'm going to be slipping papers like, yo, Jesus is the way. Like, like yo. But they're, 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 pow- they're, 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 they're submitting to the authority of Christ. And they said, listen, Christ didn't bring us this far just to bring us this far. We are carrying this. And so if we have to endure, let's pray for boldness. And the, and the whole place is on one accord, praying 
for boldness to speak what? Not boldness to endure. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Boldness to proclaim the gospel. Man. And then the maturity of them, they didn't see the attacks against them personally, but against Jesus. So they prayed that God would continually give them boldness because they could not, watch this, because they could not deny what they witnessed. That's what the old, let me break it down for the old folks. The old folks, you say this, I know that I know that I know. You can't make me doubt them. And so they had an experience with God, and it was so life-changing and transforming that they said, look, if it means death, we find it a pleasure. Man, I want to get there. Now I say that with an asterisk. I want to get there on my terms. And then persecution comes, and they turn toward God, not away. And I keep going back to this. And listen, we all need help, and I'm the chief one. Problems come. And remember, this is persecution. Problems come in my life, and I want to stop completely. Persecution comes in theirs, and they put in the gas pedal to the metal. They, they want to go further. And then when you look at the historical nature of the church, persecution draws the church together. But something happens on the other side of success. We build bigger temples with lazy Christians. And something shifts when persecution comes. And so when the disciples are praying for boldness, what they're declaring is, Man, he's faithful to finish what he started. And so we just saying amen to what he already said. And the church advances. And then when you look at Scripture, and they said, uh, I think it's verse number when the, when, the, when the house was shaking. It's crazy because they go back to the Old Testament. Remember, for them, when, when they said Scriptures, they were going back to the Old Testament. So when we say scriptures, we're referring to the New Testament, but the New Testament is also based on the Old Testament. You see the correlation. That's why you can't dismiss the Old Testament because they live the Old Testament while we're living through their experiences through the New Testament. So when you hear that the, symbol, the assembly, the, the place where they were was shaken, that's not the first time that happened. When God's presence shows up, there's a shaking. And something begins to happen. And so that's why the church has to continually be intentionally concerned about unity. Something happens when we all on one accord. God can do something. That's why sometimes I know it's, that's not your personality. That's why sometimes we ask everybody to just lift your hands and stand up. And you have a few people like this, I ain't got to do that. And the reality of it is, it's not anything powerful per se in the demonstration of the act, but unity is always of the mind. And what we're trying to demonstrate in worship is the unity of our church. I don't expect you to pop lock like I do during worship. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to break dance. You know what I'm saying? Give me a few weeks. But there is a, a posture of your heart. And so that's all it is. And so, so now they're on one accord, place about to shake. And then what was so crazy? This is what's crazy. And then, you know, there's a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit comes, here's, here's going gonna, gonna to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. And I'm sorry if, if, this, if this theology upsets you. The Holy Spirit came so that they can be enabled to bear witness to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes so that we may be able to bear witness and be bold to declare and proclaim the gospel. Which means, get it here all day long, but it's meant for out there. There's so much power that's demonstrated. Okay, I'm stepping in it, Holy Spirit, help me. There's so much power demonstrated in the church. Man, but it wasn't meant for just the church. It was meant for the kingdom. And so if we're going to demonstrate the power of God, it's not so I pay my bills. It's not that I declare things that I can build my own small K kingdom. It's to advance his kingdom. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Because God's assignment involves changing us first. And we need the power of God because if we don't have the power of God who's exercised through his Holy Spirit, what we will have a tendency to do is rely on our charisma to win people. And Scripture clearly says that except the Father draws, we can't bring nobody to Jesus. You can't strategize people to God. Now, you can strategize people to hear. You can take an Easter bunny and make a whole bunch of rackets, and people are like, what is that gigantic Easter bunny doing? And then you can proclaim the gospel. So it's not just the stuff that we're doing to attract people or whatever the case may be, but that can't be the strategy. The strategy is for people to hear the gospel of Jesus. Because Peter, how do you move from brokenness to boldness while still being broken? That's the Holy Spirit. Nancy DeMoss says it this way. True brokenness is a lifestyle, a moment-by-moment lifestyle of agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart and life, not as everyone else thinks it is, but as he knows it to be. Break that down. Brokenness is not me. Uh, Brokenness is me admitting that I need Jesus while also understanding that so do you. So if you just see my brokenness and I don't point you back to Jesus, then I inadvertently made it about me. Excuses are tools of incompetence which, which, which are available to all of us. And so we don't make provision for our brokenness, but we do understand that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So I don't excuse my sin. I bring my sin to the one who's forgiven me, while at the same time recognizing we all need him. True brokenness is admitting to God and agreeing with God the true nature of my heart. So even if I look like I have everything together, please understand, I do not. Even if the, the picture of the first family looks so nice and the kids seem to be agreeing and they just, they're the example. No, we're not. He is the example. It's Christ alone. If you don't ever come back to this church, please hear me. It's Christ alone. None of us. And that's why when we look at the demonstration of the Holy Spirit as it's 
moving towards um, in the disciples, we understand that they are completely inadequate to do what God called them to do. And that's why we don't make them the heroes. We make them as the tools that God used, incomplete people. So the disciples embraced their inadequacy because they did not trust themselves to finish the work. How can you say that? Because they're dependent on Jesus to finish the work. Yeah. <sighs> so disciples, when faced with the threat of persecution, didn't rely on themselves, but someone greater than themselves. Now, the disciples, when Jesus met them, some were teenagers, some were young. Peter was the oldest. So you got to understand that they, they were discipled up. So because sometimes being young and gifted can lead to pride and arrogance. You just have the strength, right, when you're younger. But then sometimes when you're older, you feel like you're tested, and that can lead to arrogance and becoming overly, overly reliant on experiences. So we need the balance, we need the balance of God um, on those two ends. Let me say it this way. New dogs may be hard to tame, but old dogs can be hard to teach. We both, they both need humility. And so we must not rely too heavily on our natural abilities. I mean, some of us can talk our way out of anything. You're just good at it. Some people can network their problems away. And so we will have a dependency to rely on what we're good at. But what if I submit to you, you're good enough, your good ain't good enough. Because what God is asking you to do is beyond you. What God is asking us to do is beyond us. The disciples knew that they could not accomplish their assignment without being dependent on God. Those feelings of inadequacy or being imperfect is where we need to be because it keeps us dependent on God. What can God do with all of the pieces of your broken heart? What can God do when you just put it out there? He called you knowing you were lightweight crazy. Lightweight. Not full-blown, but lightweight. He calls you knowing that you'll be wrestling in this season of your life about his sovereignty. Yet, there's a part of you, there's a spark in you. Even though you may be wrestling, Tiffany, you may ain't have everything figured out. You here. There's a part of us that need the persecution to come because it helps focus us. And think about the three parts of their prayer. God, look at the threats against us. God, grant us the boldness so we can continue to work. And God, demonstrate your work in us by signs and wonders for the benefit of your people. Woof. Their prayers did not center around them. Their prayers centered around him and them. That, my friends, uh, is the power of Acts chapter 4. You don't see them seeking vengeance. They simply looked for the promises contained in God's word. And here's the thing. So when they go, so when they read in that scriptures, uh, circle this in your Bible, read it. 
and, and, and do a study on it, but Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through um, uh, 27. They're reading scripture. They, they, they go back in the past. And, you know, um, when I grew up in church, they would say things like, uh, talk God's word back to him. And I get what they're saying, but let me bring clarity to that. God knows his word. We don't. So when we repeat our word, his word back to him, we're literally reminding ourselves. He knows his promises. He knows that he can be trusted. We are literally agreeing with what he said. That's why if we're not using the tool of his word, we're in trouble. Because at some point, we run out of our own words. At some point, we run out of our own strength. So what God is, what they're showing us, that they repeated God's promises, not for God's sake, but for theirs. And the people heard and were reminded what God said, and they was like, let's get boldness. Because the same God of yesterday is the same God of today and forever. So now, let's not stand in our wittiness. Let's not stand in our intellect. Let's stand on the promises of God. And the promises of God are both yea and amen. So they realize in Mike that the more they walk with God, the more they seek the demonstration of who God is, they get bold not because of their skill. They get bold because of his word. And I can see them in that, in that place and say, hey, didn't Jesus say that, that we would suffer for his namesake? Didn't Jesus? And, and the word now is reminding them of the power and the glory. And that's where they become confident, Jess. Not because they're good at it, but because he's good at it. And the same sovereign God that saw, man, the same sovereign God that, was, that, that created the heavens and the earth spoke to us about the time that the whole earth was filled with his glory. And they're saying, like, hey, 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 we get to be a part of filling the earth with God's glory. We get to be a part of filling, uh, filling my marriage with God's glory. I, got, I can be a part of filling, of, of, of filling my health with God's glory. And so whether it we're successful in the eyes of the world or not, God called us to it. That's why we are partnering with people because for so long, I'm like, Lord, once we get to a certain size, then we'll start sending people out. He said, who do you think you are? I'm raising these people out for you to send them now. Are you the God of this church? No, Lord. If I'm the Lord and I say sin, I'm sending. The question that you got to ask yourself, Antoine, are you going to go with me? Because I'm going. This is not Antoine's will. It's his. Your ministry, your business is according to what God has placed uniquely in you to build his kingdom. The problem that we have is we don't truly submit to him as Lord. When we call him Lord, we say, my life is yours. I was talking to someone, man, this is crazy. We, we, we helped some church planning couples this weekend, and uh, we found out that one of the church planning couples the Lord told them to go to the, um, to the um, Outer Banks. And we was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And they're from Montana. So, you know, the mountains. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But because of the housing market, they can't find a house. Because in the Outer Banks, everybody is turning their houses into uh, Airbnbs. So it's just killing the market. 
and they can't find a house. But they know that God called them to the beach. Bro, you know what they did with them two kids? They took that money they was going to put towards the house and bought an RV. Because God said, go to the Outer Banks. I was sitting there like, Lord Jesus, <laughs> what? Because they know what God said. And they acted on what God said. And so they obeyed. And they bought the RV, Mike. And they're going to take them two young kids. And I told Tanya, oh, my word. For me, it would be Justin, Chris. Y'all go outside and play. <laughs> I mean, it's not the RV that you're thinking. It's not the one that takes up the full stage. It's just enough. Because they have declared that Jesus is more than enough. So it's his will for us to respond, and we're going to respond. What is God calling you to do? But you are limiting God because of you. Man, I am determined, my sister. I'm determined. And sometimes it's begrudgingly. Sometimes it's on my knees to live my life like this. It's not my will. And I fight against it. Because it, it, it goes against common sense. I'm determined to follow him. Because it's his will, not mine. That was Pastor Antoine continuing in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or the surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and check out our Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.